Welcome to Robert's Random Ruminations. On this glorious episode, we'll be covering the following things. My Life Story, Part 3. So I talked about death in the last one and how death had affected me and the ripple effects of death in my family. This episode's going to be the effects, ripple, and otherwise regarding storms and weather. This happened a few years after, so this is uh, basically, I'd say, from ages 10 through 18, 19. Let's go for that. So the idea here, or what happened here, is that Hurricane Andrew hit in 92, and I was about 14 years old. And the problem with Hurricane Andrew is, of course, uh, that it did a lot of damage. And over the next year or so, um, after the hurricane, we were trying to get our roof repaired and kept doing damage to the point where we ended up trying to sell the house. So ages 13, 14 and on, we really were trying to get rid of the house. During this time as well, another ripple effect of my grandfather dying was that we lost the store and we had to move to another store down the street, but we didn't own part of a hotel anymore which had been able to have a, allowed us to live the lifestyle we were used to up to this point, traveling and, you know, all the rest of it. And I still, even at this age, at 14, 15, 16, um, was not being schooled regularly. I was homeschooled still. So in those next few years, basically, I uh, continued to be homeschooled and read books and travel a little bit, but it was getting less and less. We did Disney, but that was about it. So we got to a point where um, we basically had to try and sell the house. Um, unfortunately, as many people will remember who lived through Hurricane Andrews, there was a lot of fraud and fraudulent businesses, and we got swindled by the people who were trying to do our roof, so it made the damage much worse. We had mold, we had problems, water leakage, all the rest of it. And then we had sinkholes in the front yard. I mean, just... The house and the yard, everything was just falling apart one piece at a time, and it was just uh, just a disaster, the whole thing. I mean, we woke up one day and had the car halfway in the ground because of a sinkhole. So we ended up trying to move. So on my birthday, about six, I was like 15, 16-ish at this point, um, we basically, the store had gone under. We didn't have that anymore, so we literally had no reason to stay in Florida and the house wouldn't sell, like, at all, and we wouldn't even pay off what we owed on the roof and everything else, so we left. Packed up all our belongings, it was around my birthday in, in August, and um, we, we left. So, we were going to go to Maryland, was the idea. Um, we had a family member who lived up in Maryland, and the hope was is that they could actually help us kind of get a restart in our life, you know, start over, give us a little bit of money, so forth and so on. So we went up to um, Maryland and we put all of our stuff into storage. Now, this was two cars, my grandmother, my mother, my brother, three cats and a dog, all traveling in these two cars, all the way up to Maryland, basically following behind the uh, moving truck, huge moving truck. I mean, we had a four-bedroom house with a huge living room. It was a ranch-style house with a huge backyard. So we were now in Maryland, and we had no home, really, because it was condemned and it ended up being foreclosed on uh, soon after this. And no job, no job prospects. And then, as you may have remembered, my mom never really worked. 
it was really just my grandmother who ran the store. My mom helped, but it was really my grandmother's store. And that was kind of it. You know, and that was, now we're in Maryland. So the idea was we had a relative in Maryland that um, was going to help us get some money. And we were going to open a bagel shop. Or My mom had all these ideas of what she wanted to do. None of them ever really seemed to make any sense. But they're what she felt she wanted to do with her life. I don't know. So we were in Maryland. And we decided that we were going to visit this relative. And we stopped overnight. And we were stopped over at Washington, D.C. We walked the dog. And you know the cats were in the hotel room and so forth and so on. And that was kind of one of those big nights and big moments that changed my life yet again. So we're going to get into that in a moment. But I want to just talk a bit about the situation here. So my mom had been fighting with my grandmother for ages about whatever and everything and anything. You know, we talked about, you know, I mentioned earlier in the last episode, you know, how she kept saying that she was adopted and that my grandmother wasn't really her mother and that she always would fight about whose side everybody was on. Like, you know, the kids are on my side, the kids are not on my side. And realistically, in my life, at that up to that point, and this is another episode, but I really felt that my grandmother played more of a mother figure to me than my mother ever did. And it was really a situation where it was either, okay, my grandmother who's being yelled at all the time and be on her side, or be my mom who's the yeller and, you know, gets angry and you're just kind of scuttling around trying to avoid her you know kind of thing you never really can talk to her about anything you know you go to grandma to talk about stuff you don't really go to mom to talk about stuff and there wasn't anybody else you know I had no father I had no other person in the house besides my brother and we got along great you know we were a great childhood together I felt but you know it was just each other and thank god for that right so it was a situation where I didn't know how to get out of the situation because I was still only 16, 17 at this point. So still pretty young. It was me and my brother and my mom, you know, as for all of her craziness, was the only person in my life. And my grandmother was the caretaker as a financial insecurity. So all we were getting at this point financially from anything was her social security number, money because that was it. And it was, you know, about 9000 a month, or 900 a month, sorry, not 9000 that would have been much better, but 900 a month. So that doesn't last very long when you're trying to fill two cards and cars uh, with gas and feed four people and four animals and everything else. It's a lot, you know. So it was, it was very, very difficult. The whole thing was just very, very difficult at that point. So when we come back from break, uh, we're going to talk about the one night in Washington where everything kind of went from uh, bad to, to worse. So we'll be back after this uh, brief message. When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% three and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I enjoy pod- podcasting, and I've done it a quite a while, but this is literally the easiest way to do it. 
and I have enjoyed using Anchor, both here and in other podcasting that I've done. So if you always want to get a start in podcasting and you're doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm forward slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back. So, one day, one evening. So, my mom, my brother, and I had decided that particular evening that we wanted to go and explore Washington, D.C. a little bit. And it was it was dusk. It was getting a little dark, but it wasn't really dark, dark yet. And we really didn't pay attention to what time the sun would set. There was a shuttle that would take you from the hotel to Washington, but the last one had just left, and we are like, well... We can see it from here almost, so why don't we just go walk? Um, So the three of us left my grandmother back at the hotel, and we all three went um, walking towards the Capitol. A lot of brownstone buildings, and it was a very quiet evening. It was kind of fall, so it was a little chilly in the air. And we were walking and walking, and then it started getting dark, like dark, dark. And, you know, the street lights went on in bright orange in darkened corners and it got a little creepy now a key piece to this of course is or no you're not of course but a key piece to this is i would uh, my mom would wear a lot of her jewelry and because of this she always carried mace with her i was the bigger obviously as i was older than my brother um i was a pretty burly fellow at that age a lot of long hair and kind of big all over, had a beard, that kind of thing. So I was pretty big, you know, and I was at 16, 17 at this point. My brother was younger, very skinny, small kid, blonde hair, very small complexion. My mom was kind of in between, kind of a wiry figure, very, very super skinny too. So we're walking and so there's these neighborhoods of brownstone buildings and you literally can see like the Capitol building and we're like, oh, we're almost there. No biggie. We'll just put, you know, go down a, a street and end up at the Capitol. No biggie. You'll know, get a taxi back. Won't be a big deal once we get down there. What we didn't realize, of course, is that even though it looked like it was uh, that way, that the streets ended at a giant cliff almost. So you couldn't just go down. And not all the streets or any of the streets we saw actually connected, but we didn't know that at the time. So I'm standing, we're walking, and we choose a street to walk down. And it's pretty well lit. Um, And there's a YMCA at the corner. And we see that there's a road. But then the road kind of just, you know, goes left and right. But doesn't go straight ahead. So it doesn't go to the Capitol. Which we literally can see from right there. And um, these these, um, people approach. Start approaching. And you know that that sinking feeling you get sometimes when you know you're walking into something. And this was definitely that something. So as I had mentioned, my mom was wearing a lot of jewelry and we were traveling, so we didn't carry cash. Um, My whole family was very much into, at that point, the um, traveler's checks. So we really didn't carry cash. We carried traveler's checks because they were, you know, guaranteed and all that jazz. So... They came up and they basically were trying to rob us. And they wanted all the jewelry and money and so forth. So there were three of them and there were three of us. 
So my mom, and this, again, I remember flashes of this so clearly. My mom pulled out her mace that she carried with her, and she sprayed her guy right in the eyes. I mean, he he went down. He was out. Um, my brother and his guy kind of tussled a little bit for a second. My brother ended up falling down, um, and his guy kind of just punched him a little bit, but then just kind of kind of got scared by the whole thing and ran off. So the third guy was left, and it was me. And again, this all was happening kind of simultaneously. I, again, I remember flashes of it. And the third guy, the guy I was facing off, seemed to be the leader. Because, again, I was the biggest male there in the group. So he reached out, you know, he kind of walked up to me and said, What are you going to do, punk? What are you going to do? So the only thing I could think to do is I had this little cobra pocket knife. And I pulled it out. And, you know, I, I stuck the blade in his face. Not in his face, but, like, you know, in front of him. And just kind of waved it at him said, you know, back off. And he said, well, you think you're such a big, you know, big guy, you're such a big whatever. And the next thing I know, I really thought he had um, shocked me with a taser or something. I was like, oh, that's what it feels like to be electrocuted. That's weird. Um, But what I hadn't realized until a few seconds later was he shot me, right? And um, I found it after the fact that he actually shot me with a a twenty two bullet, and um, the the surgeon um, told me it was about three or four inches from my heart. So I'm I'm bleeding out at this point, right? So I go, I'm stumbling. Yeah, obviously I'm losing a lot of blood here. Uh, my mom tries to keep me awake and and staunching the blood. Taxi kind of comes in and out does won't stop obviously bad neighborhood and i end up going to a um phone booth that was at the corner if you remember phone booths right and i call and i dial 911 and i say i don't don't, don't know where i am at a street corner i can see the capitol building and i'm losing a lot of blood uh, i've been shot and my mom was keeping pressure on my wound and i guess they figured out where i was and I was riding in an ambulance, going in and out of consciousness at this point. And I really was like, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm going to die here. Um, you know, look how God I'm coming kind of thing. You know, and I wasn't a big, ever really was big in religion. But I was like, you know, here I come. Either way, whether you exist or not, I'm coming. Um, so the next thing I know, I was in, I was in the emergency room. And I, I believe I was in an operating room. I couldn't really tell because, again, going in and out. And they're like, they're like, drink this. And I was like, your Coke is flat. And I think it was like for for um, an x-ray or something. And um, I'm sitting there and they're doing surgery on me. And they're doing pain, something on my side. And there's a tube and it's just painful and awful. And it's just, I don't know what's going on. Again, fading in and out of a consciousness. And I wake up in a hospital bed. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny because... Um, I mean, not funny, but kind of interesting that you know, my mom was like, you were joking and laughing with them, so they knew you were going to be okay. I was like, well, if you're going to die, you might as well go out laughing, right? I guess. I don't, I don't know. So I was in the hospital, and, and I was okay. I survived, barely, but I survived. And a weird side note. So many moons before this, and there's actually, I still have a picture of me in this shirt. In fact, I have a picture of me in the outfit 
um, before I got shot, of the outfit that I got shot in that my mom threw out. It was just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. But um, back in the day, when Mortal Kombat, if you remember, first came out, I remember this so vividly, right? They had um, a t-shirt from the Mortal Kombat that they gave away as a, as a promotional piece. If you went to the premiere of the movie, you get this t-shirt. Which I went to the premiere and I got the t-shirt. And my mom threw all of it away. And I was so upset. She threw away my shirt. And she's like, it had blood all over it. It had a hole in the shirt. You, you couldn't keep it. And I was like, dude, it's my shirt. You know, so it's one of, the, some of those weird things you just remember. So what ended up happening was the, the, the bullet went through. And they never found an exit one. So it's kind of weird. But the bullet basically went all the way through somehow and basically went through my lung. And my lung filled up with blood and fluid and guts and everything else. So my lung had scarring. So for me to get out of the hospital so they didn't have to do surgery on me, I had to breathe in this tube. To basically, there was a tube in my side. And the goal was is to get as much of the gunk out of my chest as humanly possible of the lung. And basically go through the tube, go into a bag, and be discarded. All the debris and whatever else was the hell is in there. So I do this breathing exercise, and I was in the hospital for 13 days. Going through this breathing exercise and activity. And it was kind of interesting, because while I was in this hospital, I really felt Okay. I mean, I was obviously in a lot of pain. I couldn't sleep on my side, so forth and so on. And I've just been shot, lots of trauma. But I felt safe. I felt like, you know, I lost my house. I lost everything I ever known. I've never really known security. But here, here I'm safe. Here I'm secure. Here I'm comfortable. I can do what I want. I don't have to worry about running around from hotel to hotel. I don't have to worry about what happens next. I can just stay here, which, of course, was an illusion and fantasy. But the saddest part of that experience as the day they told me I could leave that I'd done my exercise and they removed the tube and they're like okay you're good to go now and I was like I started crying I was like to what 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 am I going to we still have no house we still have no plan we have no job we have nothing you know, and I'm not old enough just quite yet to work. I could, but, you know, I have no job experience, nothing on my resume, no school experience, nothing. So I was kind of scared to leave the hospital. And so we, we, we went the next day or two to see this family member. And I don't know what happened because I wasn't there for it in the sense I was in the car waiting basically I didn't hear the conversation but long story short I guess um, she turned us down she said no I, I won't help you guys I won't give you any money and we were stuck we were in Maryland I'd just been shot I couldn't really had didn't have much energy I had like no energy and I had a little bit of PTSD at this point. You know, I'm scared of, of the orange lights from street lamps. I'm scared of everybody who comes near me almost. You know, it, it, I was pretty, didn't, didn't go to any therapy or anything. I was this. So we're in upstate New York. And the idea now is, is that we're going to find a place to live. Now, this is the dead of winter at this point. 
And we're talking late fall, early winter, midwinter in New York, upstate New York now at this point. Because we went from Washington, D.C., but kind of failed. And we started looking around. We tried to, I mean, I know it was for real, I guess. But we started looking at real estate and seeing where we could move into. And But I knew none of it was made any sense because we didn't have money for afford an apartment or anything or a house. It just didn't make sense. So we kept going up the East Coast. And I was still recovering. And I was still weak from the bullets, bullet wound and all that. But we stepped going and kept going. And we ended up in upstate New York. And there's a state park and a bus stop and a truck stop. It's just way up in the, up in the, up, uh, farthest, like near Canada almost. And, um, my cat died. As you remember, three cats and a dog. And my cat died. And it was the one that I considered my cat. The other cat. Uh, was still alive was Moxie uh, when I lost was called Figaro and my brother's cat which again just loved him more kind of thing was called Oregano and they were all our cats obviously but you know how it is with animals and I had to bury my cat Tom upstate New York freezing cold just been shot homeless for all intents and purposes no job no money coming in really besides 900 months for all of us and here I am at a drug stop, burying my cat in, in some rocks. And it's like, how do I how do I come back from this? How do I do something with my life? What can I do? You know, have I done something so awful that I deserve all this punishment? So. At this point, my grandmother basically, we're, we're upstate New York, and we're looking at this house by a lake, like a tiny little house by a lake, and seeing how much it's going to cost and all this nonsense. And my grandmother was standing there, it's like, I can't do this. I can't do these northern winters. I can't do a New York winter anymore. I'm too old for this. I'm going back home. I'm going back to Florida. And she and my mom had a huge fight, but at the end of it all, we're all like, Ah, we gotta go home. We gotta go back to Florida. Can't handle this. So we went back down from New York all the way back to Florida, burning through the money we got, with no plan, no place to live, no real family to help that I was aware of. And to do what? Where we go? What we do? So, I will see you guys on the final chapter of this part, the first part, of my life story. In the next episode of Robert's Random Ruminations. Don't forget again to follow me on booksy.com uh you can look me up under robert the dragon or robert dragon pollock i do have a couple of uh, short stories pieces of my life story on there as well um novelettes poetry etc so take a look at that and um you know like me love me on the podcast and uh, i do have a facebook page for the podcast it's also called robert's random ruminations and uh post stuff there occasionally links to when the new podcast is up and other content so uh, follow that as well 
And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you on the next episode of Robert's Random Ruinations. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Robert's Random Ruminations. Don't forget to follow me on Booksy.com under Robert Dragon Pollock. And also follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, make sure to check me out on the Booksy site. And we look forward to any feedback you have regarding my book or the podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>